a fighter come be On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? from the Financial Thing Studios is the Peer-to-Peer Lending Essentials Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Financial Thing Investment Essentials Podcast. This is part two of the Lendy interview with Paul Riddell and Liam Brooke. Hope you enjoy. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. For Personally, I was always wondering this. On the um, loan information page, you have these little three-letter codes. There's SBL... <laughs> IOA, I think DEF is the other one if I'm missing one. My question for you is I understand IOA is kind of like the loans in decent standing. There's no problem there, interest on an account. SBL service by Lendy, which you said you're changing anyways, but I was curious, what did that exactly mean? Did that mean that the loan was in trouble, that it was no. pre-default or that you were renegotiating to extend the loan? So the process of a bridging loan, let's call it a 12 month bridging loan. And we we charge the borrower one point two percent, and we pay the investors one percent, right? So if it was a million pound loan, we take a hundred, we take twelve times one percent for the investors out of that million pounds. So that's one hundred twenty thousand. There's nine hundred eight. There's eight hundred eighty left, mm-hmm. and then there's the margin point two five times twelve is three percent. So we take an additional thirty thousand, and that's Lendy's margin on that loan. Mm-hmm. There might be another, and, and basically, so out of that entire loan, we've taken out of that total million, we've taken let's say 150, and that's put in an account, and that's what pays the interest on a monthly basis for 12 months. Now, the SBL part was historically our loans have taken about 100 days to repay over the time that we had taken sufficient capital to pay the loan to investors. So that SBL covered that three month gap. Now, uh, we were able to do that because we took a margin as well, and that supported that three-month period. So now, unfortunately, so that was SPL, and the other one was interest on account. Quite simple. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't allow any servicing of any loans um, from day zero. So if a, if a borrower wanted a million pounds, they wouldn't be able to pay us 10000 a month for a year. They just, we just wouldn't, because otherwise the, the bank credit checking process would be significantly different than relying on the quality of the asset underlying the valuation. So, um, and that's just not what bridging is. So that's the interest on account. That's the SBL, which is now being removed from the 1st of August. Um, that was driven not only by the FCA, it was actually a very, it's a good idea not to have to support that from cash flow, otherwise it can undermine the security and, and viability of the platform. Mm-hmm. Okay. DF is obviously okay. So the period of, we've got a tolerance period of 180 days because as we've said earlier, a bridging loan is not a, it's a bridging loan. That's exactly, it says it on the tin. It's things that have to happen in, in between the period of the loan and the due date. Various, many, many things have to happen and, you know, we enforce that very robustly but for all kinds of reasons for example for example the, the loan that paid back yesterday the, the the default the pub in kent this poor guy he, he he bought this pub with his wife and um she unfortunately passed away mid-term towards the end of the term of the loan um and it, it had a sale and it was all going swimmingly and the poor lady passed away and it ended up in probate 
for six or seven months. Mm. So he, we we could have been incredibly, you know, heart, I don't want to say heartless because we do have a fiduciary duty to our investors to get their money back in a timely fashion as possible. But we also have a duty to our borrowers to to you know work with them in a in a responsible manner. So we worked with the borrower, we empathized with him, we went to see him. Sam, our the business development manager who looks after that loan, went to see him a few times to work out what to do. And you know, there was literally nothing we could do. It was in probate. So we managed to work with the borrower and kept the investors informed all the way through um look, look sorry guys this is the problem this is what's going on it's in probate they got this back and then there's a borrowing you know 200 days later we managed to repay the loan once it came out of probate and it managed to get a refinance from his cousin or, or i can't remember the fundamentals but mm-hmm. you know all covered and some default interest which was managed managed to support the three and a half percent bonus i get emails constantly about your a lot of loans being passed due and investors are getting scared, you know, oh, well, I don't know about all these past due loans. It's making me nervous about the platform. It, do you, they're asking me if I think it's in trouble, which I always say no. Bridging loans require an immense amount of flexibility. And like you said, just in that case, how are you, Paul, handling the questions regarding the overdue, you know, past due loans that are several, you know, 100, 150 days past due? on the communication side and what can you tell people about that that will make them more comfortable about the situation with regards to the the uh, loans of the past term i think it's always a challenge the kind of perception or, or managing perception versus reality because you know, we all have a, a unique perception on on things i think you know what i think we can do better um, you know than what we've been doing in the past but what we've been doing over recent months is pre- presenting the evidence so um, as part of some of the regular communications we produce a lot more statistics a lot more kind of pie charts that kind of helps people visualize where we are on things so you know there was a recent communication for about a month ago where out of the kind of hundred loans that we that, that have been repaid to investors you know, over 40 had been repaid on time. You know, 50, just over 50 were repaid late um, to a lesser or greater degree. And, and 34, just over a third of them were paid within the 90 days of the of the tolerance period that's still in place at the moment. Only 13 were were repaid after, the, after that 90 day period. So presenting stats that people can argue with they can challenge they can kick around as they do but i think doing more and more of that to help kind of counter the um, you know to present the reality rather than allow the perception to you know to dictate the kind of story really but i think we can do a lot more i think we you know there's i've got a very busy job there's lots of things i need to do and um you know, definitely improving the transparency of the platform trans uh, you know improving the transparency of our communications is a number one priority for me and for Liam and the business, um, but we have to do it within existing resources that we've got, and um, you know that's the challenge. But I can actually see the importance of it, you know, and I believe investors, you know, do deserve it as well. Liam, what's your thoughts on a past due loan situation, and also when is the point where do you have a certain amount of day cutoff? where you say, okay, this loan's 180, 200 days past, when is that point where you say enough, we move forward into the recovery process, or is it just based purely on deal by deal? It's 
there's a lot of deal by deal about it but again this is a growing business that's a five-year-old business and managing moving from a entrepreneurial small company into a larger more corporate business we've had to make our we've made our processes a lot more robust now in the beginning we we had to trust we trusted the borrower potentially too much in order to pay us back when they could so there was a degree of too much flexibility in that you could go the other way where um from day one of writing the loan you could be on their back and making them pay you know giving them grief about getting the money back on time that is what the investors would like us to do but if there's a there's a there's a degree of balance in it commerciality that if we get known as horrible borrow horrible lenders that you know don't don't allow any flexibility then it'd be difficult to win any deal flow so finding the balance between when is it appropriate to pursue the loan um, r- robustly and aggressively? Um, then we've, I think we've found the balance now. Um, as of the last year, we've now got 25 people, a lot of banking experience. We've, in fact, on Monday, we had a new guy, James Start, who, you know, qualified um, solicitor who's working in, this, in, the, in, the, in the recoveries department. So he'll be taking on board all of the recoveries work and... Um, managing the processes and policies and the third-party relationships with our receivers and latterly we've decided to change the the day in which we start warming up the receivers in a lot a lot earlier and going having a receiver in a loan doesn't mean that it's bad it means that we just need to force the borrower to make sure that the money's back on time right. um, or a lot earlier or that we can control the process because you know relying on the borrower to do everything it's it's not terribly sensible but you know, relying on the receiver, it's a very aggressive move. Um, but sometimes you've just got to do it. Mm-hmm. But bearing in mind that the underlying assets that we've got are not going anywhere. You know, if you were to invest in um, stocks and shares, your stockbroker would give you an Excel spreadsheet if you wanted to understand what your assets are looking like today. Mm-hmm. We'd give you the address of the assets that you're invested in. And if you wanted to go and have a look, there you go. They're over there, drive-by. Um, for example, we had one of our investors the other day um, from Derby, um, Mr. Hughes, he was called, and he said to us that the reason he likes Saving Stream is that you put up a loan in Derby the other day, and I went and had a look at it. And I, it's, it's about 200 yards from my house. I went and looked at it. I s- sniffed around it. I talked to the boys on the ground. I actually met the developer, took some photos, and do you know what? That's a really good scheme. I'm going to put more money into that than I would into stocks and shares, which you know, it's a, it's a, it's a casino. But knowing knowing that that development down the road is is there, and I can watch it whenever I want, and you know, and likewise, I can I can go to your website and and look at other developments around the country, and if I wanted to, I could look at them and read the reports from from Lendy. Then you know, it makes me feel incredibly safe and secure. So and 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 of course, the rate of return is magnificent. Mm-hmm. So. We're seeing a lot of develop, a lot of um, a lot of our investors moving away from more mainstream asset classes like and mainstream ways of investing like stocks and shares or whatever, and moving more towards the transparency of the peer-to-peer market. Right, and for anybody listening out there too, do not invest in stocks and shares. Read the website. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big fan. I do like the stock market, but I'm. Uh, St- straight index tracker man that's it no stocks and shares but 
that's another topic. No, it's, it's, a, it's a casino, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, a, another debate. It is in some ways, but um, yes, it can be for sure. People who uh, traditionally go to their stockbroker, the stockbroker buys a portfolio of 20 British companies that they churn and they're buying and selling shares on behalf of their clients is absolutely a casino and a, a huge... I hate to use the word ripoff, but it's a big ripoff, a fee generation tool. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan. Single biggest challenge that Lendy faces right now. What is it? Go. <sighs> Crikey. Single biggest challenge. Investor sentiment. This is a, a new industry, and it hasn't been through a credit cycle. Right. Um, what are the investors going to do when things start changing in the market we don't know hence why we have always had the credit cycle we know we're in a, a new market we know we're in a, a new industry and we know that we've not been through a full credit cycle so how are we going to behave how are we going to react what's the asset class going to do hence why we've taken an incredibly cautious approach to the loans that we make um, and an incredibly cautious choice of the asset class that we're in we know that the credit, we know that the property market does generally this. Um, so if we stick to an existing, a, a, a very robust and uh, mainstream asset class like property, then we can kind of guess how the market's going to react through the next credit cycle. It's a case now of managing expectations with investors as to what rates of returns and, and, the, and the, what quality assets we're going to be lending in. There might be a slowdown in lending as we prepare ourselves and position ourselves for the future. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we're going to turn the taps off. We're just going to be very clinical with our underwriting and choice of loans that we make available. Okay. So, so, I think, so I think for me, Lawrence, yes, it definitely is um, investor sentiment. But the comp probably behind that, though, is the economic uncertainty that 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 we're all hearing about at the moment and what we what we talked about earlier so then so the so to counter that you know to counter the view that 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 the economies are slowing therefore the impact on the property market is going to you know be, be quite big i think i think to counter that we do need planning you know government local authorities etc to kind of free up and make come up with creative ways to improve the kind of planning processes and, and planning approval processes because there's a lot of red tape still there's a lot of um, things that could be done to improve that and there's been white paper after white, white paper published by the government to you know to look at that and I think for us as a company you know how do we as a company adapt to that well it's you know what what Liam and the team have been doing for the last sort of year or so and, that, and that's attracting some of the you know some great people who've got great experience in the industry to come and work here you know from the from the banking credit lending experiences the solicitors that are being attracted to the business and also the creative ideas that are going to help us stay ahead of some of the new competitors and new entrants kind of coming in because we know with everything from kind of driverless cars robo advice and all these things that that we're reading about in the national press now that, that you wouldn't have even heard of probably three four years ago they're all real now um so as a fintech as a young young fintech um fast-growing fintech we need to stay ahead of that so it's um it's making sure we're flexible making sure we're we're, we're agile and dynamic and um always looking ahead and um and planning ahead and making sure we've got the right people to support that that business as well as a lender, 
this is the question that I get emailed the most is safety and risk. Platform failure remains, I personally believe, the single biggest risk that lenders face if a company goes under. There's just so many unknowns about what happens. Going along with that is profitability. Of Obviously, a company has to become profitable at some point to remain in business. Um, talk to me about Lendy's situation. Are you profitable yet? If not, when would that occur, do you estimate? Let me be very frank. There's no point in getting into business if it's, if it's not for profit. Um, and from day one, we emphasize the need to remain profitable or be profitable in everything we do. There's, there's never been a period when we've, we've made a loss or um, uh, taken, taken a view that profit is secondary to stability or, or growth. So, um, as you, we've, we've got public accounts out there. Um, last year, we declared. Uh, this year, we're declaring about three million profit. 2016, just going through our audit at the moment. Probably going to be about two, between two and a half and three million of profit. Um, and thus far, this year, 2017, up to about June, um, we turned. We'd probably made about five million of, of profit um, thereabouts, subject to the. The accountant's getting his numbers correct but you know we've been and are and remain and intend to be the most one of the most profitable p2p companies out there we, we just there's no point doing it if it's not profitable it's one of the it's one of the it's one of the arguments really about why lendy is this this the, the safest p2p platform out there we we started out on a very lean basis and we made profit from day one. We've managed to accumulate that profit within the business and it's still here, hence why the provision fund's got three million pounds plus in it. Um, that's our that's our profit, that's our cash. And mm-hmm. um, we've also got liquidity in, in on our balance sheet from other things and um, liquidity in the operational account for covering bills. We don't, what, we, what we've set out and what we've said quite clearly is we don't need to do loans. We don't need to write rubbish loans in order to keep the lights on We're, we've got such liquidity that credit underwriting is key and it's why we're positioned so well for the next economic cycle but also sometimes you do need to have sometimes you do need to provide liquidity in the market to to make sure investors are made good and we've done that once with uh, the garden center which i'm sure you, your investors are aware of the new platforms with that that haven't built up this this equity cash reserve they're they're gonna, they're gonna struggle when the need to make big liquidity decisions comes along. So I, I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to watch how they deal with with that. And I suspect there'll be capital losses at some point on some of these other platforms, um, and how the and how the investors deal with that. It will be will it will be interesting to watch. A couple of readers have recently been asking me about digital backups of the lending agreements between lenders and borrowers. So. For some reason, the you know Lendy disappeared off the face of the planet. Um, who knows why that would happen? But there's always a possibility of something happening in life. So, uh, let's say Lendy collapsed into the ground. Hopefully, there's nobody in the building. All the computers are gone. Is there a digital backup of the loan agreements that between lenders and borrowers, off-site or Absolutely. third party? Absolutely. We're, we're excuse me, sorry. Mm-hmm. We're all of our all of our tech, I mean, we're a fintech business, so having uh, business continuity plans, backup service agreements, 
off-site data storage is is being one of the key drivers from day one. If the building fell down, then then nothing would happen because nothing's kept here. It's all kept on really robust professional server companies with backups in another server company. We have agreements with Baker Baker Tilly uh, Credit Services LLP to provide the wind down service if the company did go bust. So. Uh, uh, an explosion in the building versus a a, 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 um, a business closure event are two separate things. Mm-hmm. So, as I've just said, the continuity plan that's in hand, and the wind down service if we ever went bust is a case of the secondary market would would be turned off. So everyone's locked into what they're holding, and then Baker Tilly would effectively sell wind down the loan book in a sensible, calm cautious way so people would be returned their investment over over time okay. as, as you know, basically nothing would really change they'd just get the money back they couldn't they couldn't trade and they couldn't invest in anything new because there'd be nothing coming forward yeah so the loans would just naturally be yeah. uh, collected and then they would wind down i wanted to ask both of you separately this um put your unbiased hat on for a second paul and tell me how risky on a scale of one to 10 do you think investing through Lendy really is? One being the least risky within the peer-to-peer sector itself. I'm not talking about versus stocks or shares or you know cash in a savings account. Scale of one to 10, 10 being the riskiest. Uh, how risky do you think it is actually investing through Lendy? I think, I think very, very quickly I would... I think it... Um, I don't want to not answer the question, but I think it does come down to the individual's appetite for risk and also capacity for loss, which if they went to an advisor, that's what an advisor would sit you down and assess um, to make their, you know, to help sort of shape their advice um, you know, for investments that they go into. Um, every investment that's not under a mattress carries risk and even actually investment under a mattress and they lose five percent a year in inflation because you have inflation risk absolutely so <laughs> yeah. so every every vehicle has an element of risk and it does come down to the individual so i think to put a, a one to five or one to ten scan on it is probably quite difficult because i have quite a i'm risk averse in some things but i'm i'm more more happy to take risk in others mm-hmm. i think it, it it it's 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 against a secured asset um, therefore, you know, you can touch it, you can feed it, etc. Um, it's not going to disappear. So probably on a risk scale, for a very generic <laughs> response to your question, I'd probably put it about four to five. But okay. um, but it does okay. come down. It does come down to the individual. Yeah, and I think the reason why I say within the peer-to-peer company sector, I kind of wanted you to look at Lendy versus other peer-to-peer companies, and then say how risky is Lendy versus, say, rate setter. Assets capital. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, the evidence is, I mean, the company since it's been going four and a half years ago, you know, launched in October 2012. No, no investors lost any capital. We use that in marketing. It's on our website, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we we take a very cautious approach to to the loans that we that we put up for investment. So you know, no higher than 70% LTV loan to value, with the average probably. 60 61 62 i would have thought so you, you know you need a big market drop um or or a very miss misadvised kind of valuation you know to you know for that to be an issue um uh, you, you know we have while we while we don't heavily market the provision fund um you know it is there it is a safety blanket it does provide some some level of security on the assumption that that, that we're not hit 
you know, that doesn't get hit hit on a regular basis. Um, and the people that um, the directors have brought in here, you know, they've got 30, you know, 25, 30 years credit lending experience. So, um, so the loans that we're putting out for investment have gone through that 49 point check that, that, that Liam talked about, you know, the key, the five key, key stages before, you know, before we put it up. And there are occasions, and I know it does have, um, um, annoy some investors from time to time, we do occasionally, you know, pull a loan at the last minute because we're not 100% um, confident that 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 is right for our investment profile so uh, it's you know we are a, a cautious risk-averse platform entrepreneurial fintech all that but we take you know we take our job extremely seriously uh, you know we take um, you, you know we take our responsibility to investors and to borrowers very seriously as well mm -hmm. do you, do you uh, want so, to throw out a number liam one to five. I'll give, you an, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Actually, um, we were at the Lendit conference in London last year, and uh, Ridian from Ratesetter came up to me and said, "So you're lending. You're the only profitable P2P platform out there. What is it you're doing right and we're doing wrong?" So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all I need to say about other P2P okay. platforms. But in terms of um, Positioning us in terms of risk, there you could get incredibly technical here, but the the granular risk of Zopa, for example, you invest in ten thousand individual loans. If one of them goes wrong, then you, it, it makes it, it makes an accounting error. You know, a, a decimal point difference. Um, and investing in, but then you know, depending on what happens in the market or some structural change, then you could have serious risk to the underlying asset class with property they tend to be bigger units but the, the so a lot of due diligence is required for each individual investment but that that loan is there you can see it on the street and you can go and live in it you could go and rent it you could knock it down and build something else with it you know it's land it's property it's it's in, in our view it's the safest form of investment i wouldn't touch anything else so out of 10 i'm uh, I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't even like to think, but down towards the lower part, towards the lower half. Liam and Paul, peer-to-peer -peer lending is still seen as a very risky investment to the general public. There's often news reports in the Sunday Telegraph about people must be mental throwing their money into this type of financial sector. What do you think it's going to take to for peer-to-peer -peer lending to be more nationally recognised as a safe? relatively safe and viable place that the general public can actually come to invest their money do you know it's actually a misnomer that peer-to-peer -peer lending is a uh, a minor niche investment in the uk it's over recent press is saying that over 10 billion has been invested via p2p mm -hmm. which in the global scheme of things is quite small but actually and it's quite a serious number and globally it's over 100 billion a year so you know this is a burgeoning, rapidly growing, and becoming more mainstream than you know the every day that passes. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you know, in answer to your question, you know, FCA regulatory authorization for authorization will help a lot of companies. I think um, you know, particularly in the eyes of investors and the general public, because that's that's a reassurance. I think that that a lot of um, investors are looking for. I think though, as well, you know, given what we've been doing. You know, from the Lendy Cows Week 
kind of sponsorship. You know, we we you know we sponsored a couple of players at, at Wimbledon last year, sorry last week. Um, so it's it's it, it it's it's getting P2P out there into the into the general market, in front of the general public, um, to work with you know, with the national media. You, you know, the weekend personal finance sections are writing about P2P crowdfunding more and more. And um, so, you know, Lendy does get, uh, you know, you know, quite a bit of coverage in the national press now as well. We're working with a lot of consumer publications. So I think it's, it's all that kind of marketing that we're doing as a company. And I know other companies in our sector are, are doing sort of similar, similar things as well. Because then it becomes, people become more confident. They become more assured in their investment choices because they're dealing with, with, with companies that they've heard of. And the third parties are commenting on, you know, national personal finance journalist is reporting on you therefore um therefore th- there's a reassurance about that so i think it is all that stuff that you know that liam's talking about the size of the market you know you know 10 10 billion uk 100 110 whatever it is globally that's massive massive mm-hmm. um if, if you if we can improve our service you know, and that's where we're putting a lot of emphasis at the moment is improve, improving customer service because um, I think you know a lot of companies have a way to go on that, um, improve our communications and marketing, um, you know, based on fact, based on based on evidence, etc., not just made up stuff, but 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 real stuff. I think the general public will, you know, will will see will see us as a far more mainstream sector than than perhaps they do at the moment. Because we've got, you know, we've got investors in their eighties. You know who who are using our technology. You know they're investing on behalf of, you know, you know their families, their children, their grandchildren, etc. And love the simplicity of P2P because mm. they they can they can feel it, they can see it. As Liam was saying around the kind of properties that some some of us investors actually go and visit, etc. Um, and we've got young, you know, we've got young investors under under 50, uh, 49, 50 percent of new investors coming in are under forty. Mm. So we're, yeah. so it's appealing to both sides. You know, you're, it's appealing to so the older generation um, using using very simple kind of plat- platform technology because they're looking for a, a greater return on their investment than they can get in kind of mo- you know th- through the high street, and we're appealing to the younger generation, um, you know millennials and upwards um, who 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 don't have no allegiance to a high street bank anymore. You know they'll they'll invest, they'll put their money where their friends are putting their money, where they read. Where they read good things about a particular um, company, etc., and that's where back to Cow's Week and things like that. It, it's you know they're really important platforms for us and and for the sector. So um, it'll take some time, but, but I think we're we're doing we're doing a lot to I think contribute to that education piece. A couple of days ago, you sent out an, an email about the changes that are going to be happening on the Lendy platform. Uh, me, I'm not a very patient person, and reading through emails is worse than going to the dentist, especially long ones. So for my simplistic mind, could you please explain to me the changes and uh, how they're going to affect people and what they are? And uh, just so, and kind of in layman's terms, if, if you can. Yeah, so evolving market, FCA regulation reasons, there's various things that they want us to do that we've done for the last five years because it was the commercial way of doing things. So in order to satisfy certain FCA demands and, and, and for good business practice. So I don't want to blame them that, you know, they're suggesting good changes. Um, in the past, we were paying interest after day zero for three months. And that we called that SBL, Service by Lending. 
that is being removed from the 1st of August. And to replace that and to, to, to offer a sort of um, a replacement positive, we're going to share a degree of the default interest that the borrowers are contractually obliged to pay if we manage to recover that money. So the maths is for every month overdue, you will accrue a bonus rate of half of the interest you would have earned as standard. You can still trade that loan in the secondary market, but if you trade it after day zero, you don't get the benefit of that bonus. That that bonus is paid to the person that holds that loan at the redemption when the loan is paid back. For example, the pub yesterday, we're paying three and a half percent bonus rate today when the IT team build the infrastructure to do that. So let me, let me just back up one second. So you said once the loan hits day zero, then the bonus would accrue per month. So at the end of the 30 day after day zero, you would get one half of this, the usual amount of interest extra on that piece of loan that you hold. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Right. So for example, a 12 month loan earning 1% a month, Day thirty minus thirty, you would have on your account will accrue 05 percent bonus. Okay, and then day month two, one percent, one and a half, two, yep. three, three and a half. Okay, understood. And that is that is to replace the cash flow that we're removing from day zero SBL. Okay, which will enhance the long term viability of the platform itself. It doesn't. It doesn't put cash flow risk. It removes cash flow risk from the business model. Okay. Secondly, um, we are very soon. Okay, so we have a pre-fund. Did we release the pre-funding information? Um, that we are. That we're about to launch it. Yeah. So okay. It's, so it's not the detail in there. Not but... detail. Here's the detail. So when we put a loan up, we have something called pre-funding. So you can then decide how much you want to buy or bid or you know bid into that loan. Now, um, when we only offered 12 straight 12% loans, that was very simple. You know, you could invest up to that much in that loan because you knew you were going to get 12%. Given market market competition, 12% um, loans are very, you know, quite are getting rarer and rarer. There's so much money in this market now that we have to compete. Hence, why we've had to drop the rate that we drop on we pay on some of the loans. Um, and also our infrastructure costs mean that we have over overheads that need to be supported through cash flow. So um, we're going to offer the opportunity to have a multi, a variable pricing, um, variable pre-funding. That's what we're going to call it. And it's 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. And you can choose how much you want to put into each loan based on the interest rate as the one differentiator. So you can have a global um, deep pre-funding as, as usual, or you can pick how much you want to put into each interest rate loan that comes through the pipeline. That should allow us to judge what um, appetite there is in the market for each rate that we're paying. So that's being implemented and should, should, should come through in the next couple of weeks. Now, is that is that going to be a case of priority will go to the people that are bidding the lowest rates would be filled first or how would that work a duck auction no um right uh, funding circle tried that a while back and um they decided that you know it's easier to, for the platform to decide the rate of each loan and then pay that 
um, it would be absolutely beautiful to have a real real time um, market pricing market in there but I'd, I'd love to see that but commercially I don't think it'd work so we're just going to say look this loan is a 7% loan and we've got X 100,000 X million that will be in that loan Bob's your uncle off you go um, so it's a much better tool the third change that we're doing we're going to offer cash back on some of the, the um, uh, development tranches and that will be coming through in the next few days we just want to ensure that the building the buildings that we've uh, the, the projects that we're currently uh, committed to receive the funding that is required and to encourage our investors to go into the later tranches rather than the initial tranches where they're you know they've got a longer term to run so it's to support the loyal customers towards the end of the loan by rewarding them with a higher upside mm-hmm. um what else do we do default removing default from the default um, so another, tra- yeah trading on the de- uh, in default loans so another fca demand was that after 180 days it goes into default um uh, obviously there's a default tab and as a maturing loan book the, the default uh, and a much more uh, rigid default policy that's one of the changes that happened on the first of march as well um we have formal defaults now fine um the the fca have asked us to prevent any trading in loans that are in the default section so we're removing that right. almost a pause but now the borrower can buy himself out of default um, by providing us with cash flow to extend, so it's a, it will be a temporary pause. And if they can provide sufficient capital to get them back out of the default point, we will allow trading on the secondary market from that point. Mm-hmm. Well, we're proposing that, but yeah. no one's bought them out of default, bought themselves out of default yet. So it's, a, it's yeah, an open, probably open un- unusual. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there. I mean, I mean, they're the main changes that we announced yesterday. Lawrence, you know, partly driven by, um, by by FCA, partly driven by listening to our investors as well, mm-hmm. and partly driven by by the need to um, inject uh, um, some ideas to make the secondary market a lot more liquid as well. So, um, I think you know we, we have been accused of perhaps not listening in the past, but you know we we definitely do. You know we we do track. <laughs> Um, and listen to all the comments that, that come in. Um, some we action, some we can't. But we, you know, the ones we can't, they're either not practical or, or, or we don't have the resources at the moment. But the you know the good ideas all go into a route map, and um, they you know they will come through at some point um, okay. as far you know as, as we develop the platform. Okay, can we back up to this variable prefunding for a second? I'm a little bit confused. Can you give me a real world example? So let's say you have a loan comes up of a million pounds. Um, the variable prefunding. Are you saying that on that one million pound loans, uh, people are going to to pick how much interest rate is being they want to receive on that loan, or is it a no? No, it's um, the prefunding at the moment is you can you set a rate, a an amount that you will invest in every loan until you go back and change it. Um, that doesn't work at the moment because. There are people have re- re- removed the pre-funding um, because they don't want to invest in seven percent loans. They don't want to invest in. Might, some people don't want to invest in twelve percent loans because they perceive them as riskier. So we want to give people the option of choosing how much they will invest in each loan that's paying that return. I see. So you can set. Oh, I want to invest up to five grand in seven percent. I want to invest up to ten grand in twelve percent. Exactly. Okay. So, 
we we because at the moment we use it as a it's a very important tool for us because we it's our only way of gauging demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so as and obviously the last six months or so we've changed the price that we offer to investors. The pre-funding tool has reduced in viability because it, people don't really use it. So until we put it up in pipeline, we don't know what demand is. Yeah, because me personally, I just set them individually. You know, exactly. I, don't, I don't use the global. So is that because is that because you do due diligence on each loan, or because you don't want to invest in seven percent loans? Just just because I want to 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 do the due diligence and just pick out the individual loans. So. Mm. Yeah, which we've I got think... a lot. We've got a lot of you know. We've been going for five years, three hundred million plus. We've got a lot of trust in the market. Our investors want to trust us, and they do trust us. Um, so what they want to say is, look, we want to set a a global level, but we don't want to invest in sub nine percent loans, for mm-hmm. example. It's not worth it. You know? So they'll just go. We now providing them the tool for them to choose what rate they're willing to go all in on. Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the biggest um, requests that some people have who don't want to do the due diligence is some kind of an auto invest where they can just bung their money in and forget about having to pick out individual loans it, it is time consuming to have to go through and look at documents and some people just don't want to do it so yeah, yeah we, we we are open to suggestion about the pre-funding uh, the uh, auto invest model the unfortunately the feedback from the fca with regards to this has been quite uh, modeled um, so we're just waiting to get authorized before we embark on that but it is something that we are considering um, we're looking at listing a um, full retail bond on, on the, the Guernsey Stock Exchange so in time um, we will be offering a regardless of the FCA permission a pensionable, iserable, um, almost a, a, a buy-and-forget option mm-hmm. through through a full full retail bond. You're the second company that's told me that this week, by the way. So, very interesting. Lend, lend Invest, the first ones? Can't, I can't tell you that. They made me promise not to say, but it is not them. Oh, well, I'll tell I'll you it's not them. The <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. You know, if, if you want to access the uh, advisor market, you've got to have a standard product. Yeah. And so this is this is the evolution of the market. I respect Lend Invest immeasurably. They are uh, a company that I would emulate. Um, and have, we, we're a couple of years behind them in our evolution. So we've we've emulated their short changes and their products. And you know I, I respect them immeasurably. And Christian's done an incredible job. And you know, um, you know pat him on the back for mm-hmm. the success he's had so far. And, and they're profitable, which is one of the greatest things that anybody could ever wish for for a business. No, it's definitely, it wasn't LendInvest, but the company that I spoke to said they realized their existing uh, model was was not going to be viable for the long term. So they are doing a pivot and changing. And uh, so I'm sure they'll yeah, announce I, it in the I future. Can see, I can see how they come to that conclusion. Um, I think having retail funded, uh, a retail funded business like we have, as a single line of credit, effectively, is is quite risky, mm-hmm. um, and broadening the lines of credit is is, a, is literally the sensible thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it makes so a lot of sense. We, we are, yeah, we're definitely considering. We don't have any institutional money at the moment. That they, you know, since Cow's Week, we've had three calls a day from banks and funds and things wanting to lend us some money. But you know, it's finding the right partner is key, and finding the right structure, not undermining the respect and 
trust and um, that we've earned and, and garnered so far from our retail investors. Um, we want that, that finding a blended idea and working with institutional investors and retail investors is is something I want Lendy to do. Um, it's just finding the right mechanism, the right, right structure to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I mean, we've covered a lot. Uh, that's all I have. Do you have anything else that you think we've missed? No, no. just to thank you, Lawrence, for giving us the opportunity to, to speak with you and your listeners and, and viewers. Um, hope We hope that we've shed a light on some of the things that um, that, that your listeners and viewers um, sort of ask you about. We're Cows Week, Lindy Cows Week, we've mentioned two or three times, but it, but it is a big one for us in a few weeks' time. So um, it's from the 29th through to the 5th of August. Um, we're going to be there all week. So if um, anyone would like to come and, come and join us, there's loads of festivities. There's going to be fireworks, live music, loads of great restaurants and bars, etc., as well as all the on-the-water on activities as well. So it's going to be a great week. Hopefully the sun will shine. And, um, and yeah, we hope to meet some investors. You know, yeah, we, we, yeah, we would like some investors to come out, you know, shake hands, have a, have a glass with us, um, put faces, the names, etc. So, um, you know, it's an open invitation. Bring a suitcase full of money too if you'd like. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. That, that, okay. Well, um, thank you again for taking the time. It was a really great conversation. If anybody listening out there wants to go take a look at Lendy, I'll put the link in the description below. Disclaimer, I do invest through Lendy myself. Um, been doing it for a couple of years. I've personally had nothing but good experiences, even with their communication, regards to the communication. And it's, it's something I quite honestly recommend. I think it's a good company to put your money through take a look at the description browse the website and uh check it out if you think it's good right for you then throw some money at lendy i think you'll be quite happy that you did and we'll look forward to the future improvements that sounds like you're making which is good you're listening to investors listening to lenders i appreciate that as a lender myself and uh you know hopefully we'll have you back in the future and talk about some of the changes that are happening and uh, see where you are in X amount of months. And good luck with the cows week. I think I'm going to come across in my little rowboat from pool through the harbor, come out to uh, cows and come have a glass of wine with you maybe. Who knows? Are you going to have a tent or something like How's that going to work? Yeah, we've, we've, we we've got a tent, little, a little teepee. A little teepee. <laughs> So on the beach, yeah, yeah, with with a, with a cool box with some beers in it. You're more than welcome to come and join us. Is that how people? <laughs> no, seriously. How, how will people find you if they are investors and they want to come see we're, you at we're, Cow's Week? We're we're going to have a lounge on uh, Cow's Parade, so you won't be able to miss us. But um, aim for the yacht squadron, and we're just there next door. Okay, it's French to me, but I will look for the uh, little Lendy light bat light in the sky. And, I'm sure people will be able to find Damn, you. Paul, we need a Lendy bat light. You do. Oh, no, a no. spotlight. Right. Come on. See? All right. <laughs> we do it be worthwhile. Great idea. Good man. Okay. Cheers, Lawrence. Well, thank you again, Thanks, guys. Lawrence. And it was really great. Good luck with everything. And uh, we'll speak to you soon, okay? Okay. Cheers. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Financial Thing Peer-to-Peer -peer Lending Essentials Podcast. Don't forget to visit FinancialThing.com for all the latest peer-to-peer -peer lending reviews and DIY investing articles. 